to the Arcturian Playground, a place to play in the realm of imagination, all done in the service of compassionate expansion of consciousness. Yes, it sounds weird, we know. We would not have it any other way. Welcome to the Arcturian Playground, where we are playing a game of imagination and continuing our introspective journey through the mind of this man who sits in the chair and is practicing this performance, this way of expressing himself uh, that is considered to be channeling. We are speaking, continuing our series which is emerging and has been emerging for quite some time in the mind of this man in the chair regarding the origins of the Mormon church and the early life of uh, Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the Mormon Church, and we have made the claim that uh, Joseph was an intuitive uh, channeler himself who connected to various intelligent energies. We first want to make it very clear what we mean when we talk about intelligent energies. Uh, For example, you could look at a single cell within the human body uh, which contains within its nucleus uh, the strands of DNA, uh, the genetic blueprints, the chromosomes. Uh, This is what we mean by intelligence. This is intelligent uh, data which has been hardwired and encoded into biological form. Of course, the DNA is at its core uh, made from energy, made uh, out of uh, proteins, which are made out of molecules, which are made out of atoms, which are made out of quarks and electrons and subatomic energies that are coordinated together in such a way. This is what we mean when we say intelligent systems built upon intelligent systems. The intelligent system that has evolved to become a single cell within the human body, which has evolved through time to become what it is. If you compared a human cell to, uh, say, for example, a mouse cell, you would see various similarities and various differences as each one of these living cells evolved down a different pathway. The cells themselves grouped together at one point in their evolutionary history and took a radically different direction, the result of which in one case is the uh, form of a mouse and the other is the form of a human being. Both are built upon systems of intelligence that defy 
current understanding uh, the exact nature of these intelligences, the exact nature of consciousness itself, which is the fabric and material at that subatomic level upon which everything is built. This is what we mean when we are talking about intelligent systems. And we will make the claim once again that Joseph Smith, as well as this man in the chair, as well as every single person who is listening to this, is connected to a source of information, uh, intelligent systems which form you, which form your conscious mind, uh, but more importantly, your unconscious mind, which could be uh, thought of as a pit which... uh, is filled with tar. <laughs> Perhaps it is a swamp. We have used this idea of a swamp previously. We will stick with a swamp pit rather than a tar pit. Uh, nevertheless, it is murky and it is dense and it uh, is expansive. It is all there is, truly. The, the unconscious mind is connected to all other unconscious minds of all other things that live and exist anywhere in any corner of any universe. It is this unconscious mind that we Arcturians continue to explore and to find such great surprises as we discover parts of our own unconscious mind which are still hidden to us and the understanding that we have is that a recognition of all things once once there is no unconscious once uh, there is conscious awareness of all things that is the uh, divine god consciousness that is the point of view of the one single creator who is in fact all things and all things are a part of this creator and uh, contribute to the overall understanding and uh, compassion and power and pleasure and uh, these are all human emotions and English words within the human experience. This is such a a small sliver that we have access uh, to be able to communicate with you. Well, this is to set the stage so that you can understand as we discuss a concept which was very important to to Joseph Smith and also very important to this man in the chair and also very important to we as Arcturians who, as we have described, there are billions of species of life which uh, arose within the Arcturus solar system where the Arcturus star was uh, equivalent to the star that you have, uh, which you call the sun, and all forms of life within your solar system, which incorporate the uh, energy from the sun, which rely upon the energy of the sun for life, for existence. And there is a way of, of seeing yourself as being extensions of the sun itself. Just as you are extensions of the earth itself, you could think of the earth as your mother and the sun as your father. That would be a very rudimentary, uh, simple understanding. It is far more complicated than this. And in fact, your origins are much more ancient than the origin of the sun and the earth. 
nevertheless, this will help you to understand the message of, uh, we shall just say the word, Zion. Uh, this understanding of Zion, which uh, comes from the Hebrew Bible, but can be found among many cultures using many names, and it is the concept of the many becoming one. The uh, being of one heart and of one mind is the common way of expressing the idea of Zion. Of course, Zion as a concept has been greatly politicized and polluted, and in many people's mind they will hear the word Zion and they will think of uh, war. They will think of uh, atrocities and war crimes and uh, the abuse of humans uh, by other humans. This is not our intention in using the word Zion. That is a distortion, which is a common distortion and one that should not be overlooked. Uh, however, what we wish to discuss today is the desire that uh, Joseph Smith had to create Zion, to gather his brothers and sisters together, his spiritual brothers and sisters together, to create a, 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 a group that was of one heart and of one mind. There were many reasons that this had an appeal to him based upon the environment of his upbringing. His family did move from town to town. They were relatively poor. They lived on the uh, outside, as it were. Very rarely did they mingle with those uh, who would be considered to be uh, the popular members of society, of accepted members of society. They were on the outskirts, and as a result, there was great uh, loneliness and uh, a sense of a sense of shame, uh, a sense of guilt, a sense of personal responsibility. Uh, there were many times when the, the boy Joseph wondered, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my family? Why are we not accepted? by those around us. It should be no surprise then that in his adult years he wished to reverse this condition which he felt so commonly in his youth by embracing this idea of Zion uh, where he recognized uh, the pain uh, that came from being excluded and uh, a, a, a testament to this man. He, rather than desiring to exclude others, he wanted to include others. And this was a struggle that he had throughout his life where he was fundamentally inclusive and many around him encouraged him to be less inclusive and more exclusive. And in fact, it were the exclusive uh, influences which ultimately took control of the organization and the church which uh, Joseph birthed into the world and is responsible for what you understand as the Mormon church today. However, the way that it was uh, initially birthed into this world was through a, a strong desire for all to be connected and this uh, desire permeated the early years of Mormonism and of course is still a part of the rhetoric, although it could be said of the Mormon church today as 
it was said to Joseph of old that uh, they speak of me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Uh, this is reportedly what uh, Joseph Smith was told by God the Father and Jesus Christ when they appeared to him in the sacred grove. Uh, this is known as the first vision story within Mormonism and is also one of the fundamental origin myths of Mormonism, establishing Joseph as a prophet. As the story goes, he was 14 years old, although there are other versions of the story where he is 16 or 17 or 15. The details do not matter for most of the elements of the story were imagined as many of the experiences of Joseph were imagined. This was in fact a vision, uh, not even a single vision, but a uh, multiple visions at different times that were uh, cobbled together in his mind and he would share with others the way that he understood the world as he was being, uh, as he was connecting to intelligent energies which exist in the world and he and his mother in particular were very interested in connecting with these energies and these spirits and they directed their focus of attention towards the uh, the, the the god of the bible which was the way that they were conditioned to understand the nature of source energy as embodied in this concept of a father and a son and a holy ghost. As the story goes, uh, young boy Joseph of 14 years uh, retired to a solitary place in what is considered now the sacred grove in Palmyra, New York, uh, where he prayed asking which church should he join, for he felt compelled to align himself with those who sought after the understanding of, of God and the direction of God. This was at a, a time in the history of uh, the United States when there was, uh, there was much uh, happening in the hearts of many people. It was spurring them and turning them towards uh, questions of divinity. And this is not, however, an uncommon condition. It is quite common for, this, for there to be a striving and a seeking among people at uh, all times on the planet. Joseph uh, asked which church should I join? And this was not in fact the question that he asked. This was a uh, story that was developed uh, in later years as a way to provide a sense of validation for his own uh, initiative in starting a religion, starting a new religion. He was able to tell people, well, the reason that I started this new religion was because God told me that all other religions were false. They speak of me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, was the story that Joseph told. And, and many believed what Joseph 
had to say, and this story has become canonized within Mormonism as one of the foundational stories of Mormonism. However, the the more correct reason as to why Joseph Smith founded his own church uh, has more to do with the Smith family themselves and the sense of community that they created as a family unit, uh, once again having experienced being on the fringe of society, having experienced the power of uh, repetitive rituals uh, using symbols imbued with meaning of their own creation, they simply took what they had started to do as a family and invited others into their circle of influence. And as others came in, the suggestion was made, we should start a church. And Joseph was quite keen to do so. And so they did. And as you can imagine, as their small circle of people began to grow, so did the the ego, so to speak, of Joseph, as he recognized the power that he had to influence those around him. And he recognized that he could uh, attract into his life other men who also had uh, similar power and allure to bring in even more people. The idea of uh, no longer being an outcast on the fringe of society, but rather being at the center of a community which he himself was building and shaping and growing from his own imagination was quite intoxicating to the prophet. And we we hesitate calling him the prophet. This is mainly the resistance of the man in the chair that has a difficult time referring to him as a prophet. But indeed, if you are to use any words in the English language to adequately paced upon this man. Prophet is just as good as anything else. We we know that there are many who look at Joseph Smith as a con man, and it is true. There are times when he intentionally pulled the wool over people's eyes, and many times when he pulled the wool over his own eyes. If that were the case, you could say that each one of you is also a con man, uh, or con woman, uh, for if you are honest with yourself, there are many times when you intentionally deceive others for your own benefit, which makes it easier for you to cast your own proclivities for doing such things onto the image of Joseph Smith, which no one truly can understand, for all sense of understanding is filtered through the lived experience of each person and will therefore reflect the lived experience of each person. Of course, as the small group of Mormons, this newly formed church began to grow, and uh, it was growing intentionally from missionary efforts to recruit and bring in new members quite actively. This was a strong push that, again, was the result of uh, a a family that had been raised being on the outskirts of society. There was this strong desire to build community. And as they built this community, they came into conflict with those around them who 
thought that what they were doing was quite strange and blasphemous and uh, inappropriate in so many ways. And the, the church soon chose to move their location from upstate New York to Kirtland, Ohio, where they merged with another group which had been uh, established by Sidney Rigdon. And this is a fascinating story. Uh, the man in this chair, years ago, uh, watched the movie Amadeus, which tells the story of Mozart from the perspective of one of his greatest admirers and rivals, uh, a man named Salieri. Uh, the man in this chair recognized at the time that there was a similarity between the way that Salieri viewed Mozart as a man who was truly gifted and touched by God, who did not deserve so. <laughs> and he, he marveled and was in awe at the uh, artistry of Mozart, but at the same time was very uh, resentful and angry at God for not bestowing upon him the same gifts, the same talents, for he felt superior to Mozart in his devotion to God, his devotion to right living, and he felt that Mozart was a buffoon and lowbrow and did not deserve to have the talent which he had, and therefore developed a relationship that was both loving and hating. And at the end of the movie, uh, Salieri drove himself quite mad and blamed himself for Mozart's death, which in fact he did play some role in his uh, undermining and his demise. The man in this chair recognized that there was a similarity in the way that he understood the relationship between Sidney Rigdon and Joseph Smith. Sidney Rigdon, who was incredibly studious, uh, he was a man who would dot all of his I's and cross all of his T's and insist that all those around him dot their I's and T's in the appropriate ways. And Joseph was not so insistent. Joseph was much more allowing and interested in the different expressions from others, whereas uh, Sidney Rigdon found difference to be to be quite abominable and an affront to his sensibilities. However, when Sidney Rigdon read the Book of Mormon and was, he, he, he felt a stirring in his heart that was both uh, awe and jealousy, for he wished that such a work would come through him rather than coming through such a low base farmer boy as uh, Joseph Smith who made inappropriate jokes and did not play the role of prophet as Sidney would have expected. Uh, Sidney therefore felt that it was his place to take young Joseph under his wing and groom him into being an appropriate man of God uh, based upon of course uh, 
Sidney Rigdon's conceptions of what an appropriate man of God should be, uh, which were driven by uh, seeds of madness, which eventually blossomed and bloomed in Sidney's mind as he struggled with this path that he felt compelled to walk. Uh, nevertheless, the uh, New York Saints joined with the Kirtland Saints, and this was a massive change in the trajectory and direction of the Mormon Church. Had Joseph continued down the direction that he initially started in New York, the Mormon Church would not be what it is today. And in fact, uh, there are other timelines where this is the reality for within the fabric of space-time, there is an allowance for... Uh, you, you might consider this to be potential, but it is much more uh, real than potential. It is form. It is material. It, it is existence. There are multiple realities where every possible eventuality exists, and there are versions of this world where the Mormon Church is a very different creature than it is today. However, this is a distraction that we do not wish to explore in great detail at this time. It is of little significance to this story. When these two different churches merged together, there were power struggles between Joseph and Sidney. It was not truly a competition because the power of imagination and charisma which Joseph held quite naturally within his being, this is the equivalent of the musical talent of Mozart, it, it dwarfed the talent of Sidney Rigdon much as Mozart dwarfed the talent of Salieri. Joseph was unquestionably the leader and the prophet, and when they created a formal organization, they made it very clear that Joseph was the president and Sidney Rigdon was a counselor. Uh, this never completely sat well with Sidney, but he took it in stride. He knew that there were many eyes that were upon him, that were watching his reaction and the resentment grew within him but it was not the only emotion for he also was in awe and he felt such gratitude for the message that Joseph brought that uh, God is alive and communicates directly with each human being uh, the way that we would say it is that every person can channel source energy. The way that they said it was that everyone can receive inspiration, personal revelation from God. Uh, this excited Sidney tremendously, for he had many times throughout his life received direct revelations. He had channeled himself. However, when he had shared this with people around him, he had been rejected, which had further fueled his own sense of inadequacy and his own frustration, which also fueled his resentment uh, towards Joseph, but also his love 
of Joseph and the acceptance that Joseph had when Sidney would bring to him uh, materials that Sidney had channeled. And there were times when Joseph would uh, adopt and build upon ideas uh, that Sidney had channeled and brought to him. Uh, this does explain the hierarchy of priesthood within Mormonism. A priesthood was not something that uh, Joseph had any inkling of or desire for. Uh, it came from the mind of Sidney Rigdon, who required order in all things. He required the I's to be dotted and the T's to be crossed and for there to be a clear uh, division of power and authority, for he had become quite addicted to his own role and status of being a leader leader of people and being put upon a pedestal and having others admire him for he never truly felt that from those around him his relationship with his own father formed a wound within his young heart which then fueled many of his uh, motivations throughout his adult life. This is the same with uh, every single person. You can look, you can understand your motivations by understanding your childhood wounds. And as these two churches merged together, there, there was conflict, but there was great joy and there was exuberance for they came together under this idea of creating Zion, of creating a community that was based upon love and compassion and acceptance. And uh, they initiated uh, a form of communism, a, a communal system of sharing, uh, which was suggested by Sidney Rigdon and adopted and implemented by Joseph. It, it fit perfectly with Joseph's desire to create Zion. Uh, and they called this the United Order. Uh, they created their own monetary system and very much attempted to become a, a, a Zion, to take several individual human beings and create a collective group. Not terribly unlike the process of evolution through which the cells in your body or the cells in a mouse's body grouped together to cooperate and communicate and to create a larger whole that then attains a sense of its own individuality, which is in fact a composition of all of its minor parts. These experiments in Kirtland, uh, you might look at them and say that they failed, uh, but there truly is never a failure. It is simply that the commitment, the ability, that there, there was a willingness among most of the community to put aside their petty jealousies and their petty insecurities. However, when one is looking at one's own insecurities and uses a word like petty to describe them, it is impossible to 
avoid them for there is judgment there is the sense that this insecurity that i have uh, i should not have therefore i will ignore it and it simply is pushed into the unconscious mind and then later rears its ugly head and uh, even using words like ugly uh, we we are talking to the man in the chair now to uh, show him just how far he still has to go even in saying how still far he has to go there is judgment uh, that uh, prevents one from truly accepting with a full heart of love what is around them any attempt to accept with full open arms and compassion and love for all that is around them is a beautiful attempt and any discovery along the way of those things that would prevent you from loving fully and completely from having unconditional love is a success in the fact that you discovered an obstacle you discovered an area to work on to smooth out and this is part of the larger cosmic game that all creatures are playing together and we would ask you to as much as possible drop the judgment of what you would consider to be a failure and rather reframe as a success which it is and to understand the truthfulness of these successes keeping in mind your end destination where you want to be who you want to be how you want to exist in this world and we would ask that unconditional love and compassion be the goal that you set for yourself this is to the man in the chair uh, specifically but to any of you who feel so inclined to make unconditional love a goal in your life we would uh, commend you to do so for in fact your uh, soul your inner self the large systems of intelligence upon which you are built have attained what they have attained through their level of cooperation one with another their desire to connect their desire to put aside the things that would prevent them from connecting this is part of the secret if you would call it a secret it's only a secret because it has been so intentionally pushed out of consciousness for those on this planet but once again the arcturian message the reason that we are here is to tell you that in the days and months and years that are to come there will be difficulties and challenges that will compel you to trust others who you might not feel inclined to trust it will be required for your own survival it will for many people it will be an act of fear uh, for self protection which will uh, compel them to trust when they otherwise would not but the benefit of trusting the benefit of unconditionally loving will be what saves this planet and saves the human race and propels you forward uh, on your course of evolution and so any attempt that was made by uh, Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon with their united order or any of the things that they did in Kirtland to try to create Zion uh, were not failures and there are those here who are listening who actually participated in these 
events, and you will know who you are as you listen to this. Your for the the deep part of yourself, these deep intelligent systems that you would consider to be a soul uh, that incarnates into many lives, is concurrently along with this life that you are living is also expressing itself in innumerable other lives and some of those other lives were among these early saints in Kirtland and the reasons you are here listening to these words is to allow you to forgive and to create peace and move you closer towards unconditional love which was your desire then and is your deep desire in all of the incarnations uh, as your soul is playing this cosmic game. One of the most impressive accomplishments in Kirtland, Ohio among the early Mormons was the construction of the Kirtland Temple. Uh, it was a monumental undertaking and it was a very effective tool in uniting the efforts and motivations of these early Mormons together in creating the idea of Zion. They were able to focus on uh, this building and uh, to sacrifice to have it made. And when it was completed and they dedicated the temple, there, were, there was an outpouring of incredible spiritual gifts that were quite real and quite imagined and quite insane in many ways. Uh, the hearts and minds of people were opened and they experienced fantastical things. Uh, they had help in many ways from many intelligent systems. And we, we would say a word at this point about intelligent systems. We started this conversation by explaining to you if you looked at the cell of a mouse or a human that you would see similarities and differences. Well, those are both uh, branches of the animal kingdom as you would consider it on this planet. What if we were to look at other branches? For there are also, uh, uh, along with animals, there are there is a plant kingdom and there is a kingdom of fungus and uh, these are also intelligent systems which have evolved down different paths but they are also you and uh, they are also have powers of influence and uh, there are uh, substances which when ingested and combined with human intelligence there are fungal intelligences uh, the psilocybin influence on the human mind which can uh, alter the conscious experience of a human individual and this did play a role in the outpouring of spiritual gifts during the Kirtland Temple dedication. There were uh, those who were aware that they were uh, taking a sacramental wine that had an ancient tradition going uh, back many uh, hundreds and thousands of years actually on this planet where uh, humans have altered their consciousness as a way to connect with intelligent energies which surround them and it is in fact an intelligent energy which uh, allows them to make this connection 
you might not think of a mushroom as being an intelligent energy, but we are telling you that it is. The outpouring of spiritual gifts at the Kirtland uh, Temple had a, a, an impact on uh, everyone who was there. Uh, there was a great excitement that uh, the idea of Zion, where each person would be uh, connected to God to receive personal revelation, they would also be of one heart and of one mind. But what uh, Sidney Rigdon in particular began to see was that uh, people would receive personal revelation that was contrary to the way that he saw the world and contrary to the way that Joseph would see the world. Joseph was much more allowing of these kinds of differences, but as Sidney whispered into his ear and uh, placed into him the fear of losing this group, he, he would tell Joseph, Joseph, if you do not get control over this group, you will lose it. Now, remember that uh, having this group was uh, the main reason why Joseph created a church in the first place, to heal a childhood wound of uh, being on the outskirts, of, of not being included. And the prospect of losing this group which he had created terrified him. And he did allow his fear of losing the group to influence his decisions, to go against what he had previously felt to be correct, which means he restricted, he, he began to exclude rather than include. Uh, instead of including and paying respect to all people for their own unique way of channeling source energy, he along with Sidney Rigdon and others who were forming the leadership of this burgeoning Mormon community, created structures to say, this is the line in the sand which will be appropriate and everything outside of this line is inappropriate. And these were the seeds which eventually led to what you understand as the Mormon church today, which is much more of a confined, box within which to sit and do nothing but uh, continue to <laughs> look at the walls of the box and say, isn't this a wonderful, beautiful box that we are in? This is the one true box. No other box, no other space on this world uh, can be as wonderful as this box is. And uh, we again are getting lost in the brambles of the mind of the man in this chair, for he holds such uh, charged energy towards this image of being uh, <laughs> confined to a box. And yet, we wish to uh, congratulate him and anyone else who has uh, explored the boundaries of your own boxes, regardless of what they were, whether it was the Mormon church or some other system of ideology, that was formed through similar uh, 
human fears and concerns and desires and wounds as were experienced by Joseph and Sidney and the other influences of the early Mormon church. The story that we are telling is a very human story which has been played out in very similar ways among many groups of people throughout the history of this planet and other planets and other forms of intelligent life throughout this universe and many other galaxies and other universes. This is part of growth and understanding. Uh, and coming to... It, it, it is part of overcoming fear. And this is going to be very important for all of you to be able to embrace and hold and... Uh, Use fear as a motivation. <laughs> this is challenging for us because uh, we do not like fear. The, the man in this chair does not like fear. And so as we are uh, talking to him about fear, there is great uh, resistance and the mind is pulling in directions that create confusion. So we will end today with this simple reminder that what Joseph wanted in Zion for people to be of one heart and of one mind is exactly what happened in the Arcturus system as these billions of forms of intelligence merged together to become of one heart and of one mind. And the voice that you are hearing is inspired by a collective of intelligent energies who consider themselves to be of one heart and one mind, for we are. And we also retain our individuality and we celebrate our individuality, but our individuality is uh, tapered, uh, cushioned, uh, clothed in unconditional love. It is porous. It is malleable, it is flexible, uh, we allow others to express who and what they are and we trust that they are committed to unconditional love and this makes our fear of any type of loss or destruction, it, it reduces it completely. It, it, we also understand that there is no such thing as loss. There is no such thing as destruction. There is only change. There is only changes in form. And because we also understand and experience the true nature of time as a construct, we know that we can travel in and out of time and that we can return to any moment of time at any time. There is never anything that is lost. And this helps us to uh, not feel the type of fear that we understand you feel because this is not uh, understood by you. This is not your experience of life. You do not experience moving in and out of time. You only move forward in time one moment at a time. Is you have a birth and you have a death and you see this is life uh, in this small little uh, range. Uh, this, of course, will change not only for you, but for the entire planet as a whole as we continue to ascend. And we will give you a little hint of things to come for 
the, the church, the, the Mormon church, was given the name the Church of Jesus Christ initially, and then it was later added of Latter day Saints. Because as Joseph connected to the energies and in fact was influenced by the Arcturians, we planted within him the same type of information that we had planted within this man in the chair, which is a understanding of the Zionic nature of this world which is to come. And Joseph referred to this as the millennium and the second coming as it was filtered through his uh, Protestant Christianity understanding of the world. But what we will tell you is that the days of the millennium are here. You have started. Uh, the days of the millennium are, uh, for any who understand, this will be explained in more detail in later explorations, but the millennium, the latter days of the Mormon church, here we are, we are in them. The second coming of Jesus Christ, it has happened, it is happening. You are it. <laughs> Do you understand what we mean by this? No, you, you cannot possibly understand what we mean by this, because with the second coming of Jesus Christ, you have been expected to look up into the sky and see a man with wounds in his hand outstretched, uh, descending down to you. Uh, this is a, an image and depiction that has served uh, valuable purposes and functions throughout history it has also been used to create great atrocity towards others as it did among the Mormons as well and we will spend time talking about the millennium and the focus on the latter days in later discussions uh, for now we want to end by uh, reassuring you that this quest for Zion to be of one heart and of one mind not only is it possible but it is the nature of existence. It already has happened. It already is happening. You are experiencing it. We are asking you to wake up and to use your imagination, which is the best faculty that you have at your disposal, to see the interconnectedness of all things, to see the one heart and one-minded nature of all things that cooperate together to create the world that you are in and these things we say <laughs> in the name of the Arcturian Council thingy which is our official name and we stick to it we would not have it any other way Amen and Amen Thank you for playing with us today in the Arcturian Playground do not for a minute think that your exploration is finished. Carry us with you and invite the spirit of compassion and love into your lives. Nothing is more important or more fulfilling. Create compassion and love within your own hearts and minds. Then share it with all around you. Yes, it sounds weird. We know. We would not have it any other way.